I'm out in the woods in prayer and I just want to capture what my heart has been to the Father. And the reason I do is because I want my children and anybody that ends up coming after me to find the ways of the Lord in my walk, to see what it, what it feels like and so, or what it looks like and what real abiding faith looks like. I also want to make sure people understand that having faith in God and trusting Him for big, huge, miraculous you know, miracles and deliverance and protection from your enemies and for justice and for provision, having faith, big faith in God is not the absence of doubt. I still have the capacity to doubt. Um, at never, never at any time have I lost my capacity to doubt God no different than never have I lost my capacity to sin. And in and of itself, doubting God is sinning against God. So, and I can see in the Bible where not trusting God is counted as wickedness in the Old Testament. Many people think of wickedness as murder and sex slavery and childhood abduction and drugs and prostitution. We think of that as, as the worst wickedness. But I can show in the Bible where God pointed out to the Israelites that they were wicked because they didn't have faith in God. They didn't trust Him. And, and not obeying Him and trusting Him was considered wickedness. I am supposed to be in court in three days. Today is the 13th. If God does not provide a miraculous check for me tomorrow, then that, if He does, then that means I will drive to Florida on Tuesday and be in court on Wednesday morning, able to stand before the court able to pay my child support, so forth and so on. And it would be a wonderful thing for me to drive down there if God provides the money before then. But if I do not, if He does not provide the money, I know I'm not allowed to take it from my parents. It would, it's going to have to be that God provides the money, not my parents. And again, the reason is, is because my parents are not coming, in particular my mom, not so much my stepfather, but my mom is not coming to this table in faith. My mom is coming from fear. My mom is giving me money to try to manipulate the circumstances to control her own fear. She's trying to make herself feel better and get her sleep back because she can't stop herself from worrying and she's out, she's out of faith. She doesn't have faith in God that He's taking care of me. So I'm not allowed to take money from my parents. And um, I've been very careful to not discuss my finances with anybody that could be manipulated into helping and I've made it very clear with anybody including my pastor that I have shared this with help must come from the Lord not from them I have been adamant about this and I adopted this spirit and this particular approach to my faith by reading through George Mueller's book and I have the same desire to see people be able to trust God knowing that I have not asked any man for money and in fact I have denied money from man that has not been sent to me of faith or out of love in God. And I want to trust, I want to prove to people that you can trust in God alone, that you can live by prayer and faith alone, and that God is still a God today of miracles, that He still very much cares about our daily circumstances and our daily needs, and that in all things, in all matters, we can trust God. Let me say that again, that in all matters, we can totally 
rest and trust in God to provide. This is, this is a huge part of my heart. Heart's desire is to, is to be like a George Mueller um, and show and prove with my life that God can be trusted and give sufficient evidence. So, um, there too. So right now my heart has been, Father, I have three days left. And God has had me say no to everything that could have saved me from this trouble in the last 30 to 45 days. I have said no to $27,500, $2,500 of it from my parents, of which I still have the checks to cash. And then the other 25 or some odd thousand was business that I turned down. Um, I have all the emails and the evidence of all this where all of a sudden all these jobs popped up. If this isn't just like God, I mean, everything in my spirit knows that this is exactly like God to test me to see if I will take the easy way out and the provision that does not come from His hand, thus depending upon man rather than God. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who trusts in God. It is better to trust in God than to trust in man. And don't trust in God, or don't trust in a man who believes and trusts in false idols. But trust in the Lord. So, <clears throat> I have put everything on the line to totally trust God. And that means I've had to violate some scriptural principles. And people say, oh, how could you dare violate God's Word? Well, the reality is, is that you cannot take a principle out of God's Word and apply it across the board in all circumstances to all people at all times. You can't do that. God is not robotic in His dealings with us. Yes, He, he has foundational principles that apply to all of us, but not in all circumstances. If God asks us to do something different or head a different direction, it may sometimes appear that God is contradicting His Word. perfect example would be when Jesus Christ gives the Great Commandment, or rather the Great Commission, and says, Now go out, preaching the Gospel to all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of my commands, Matthew 28, but then turns around and tells the disciples, Now sit and wait for 40 days. His personal Word to them contradicted His written, revealed Word. This was a contradiction. When Abraham was asked by God to take the very miracle that God had given him called Isaac, the very promise, the very desire of his heart, and the very seed of his purpose, which is to become the father of a great nation. And God says, now take that miracle that I provided, put it up on the altar, and kill it. Meaning kill Isaac. This is a God giving a personal word that contradicts His revealed, known will. His, his, his principles and precepts. You don't kill. You don't murder. We see that God is against this, even though the Ten Commandments haven't been given yet. We see right off the bat that God is against this early in Genesis where Cain slew Abel. And, and your brother's blood cries out to me, what is this you have done? Where's your brother? Who am I? My brother's keeper. Long story short, we see God is very much against murder. Very much. So why would God ask somebody to do something that contradicts His written principle in His Word? It requires discernment and it requires guidance of the Holy Spirit to understand 
that God may occasionally ask people to do things that seem to contradict his word. So, for example, another one might be, whoever doesn't work, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. If, if a man does not provide for his relatives, especially his immediate family, he is worse than that of a non-believer. This is in 1 Timothy. It's in the talk about widows and providing for widows. This could be used against me, and I'm sure it's being used against me every single day in my house or in my children's house to point out that I am worse than a non-believer. And that's why they say that I'm from the devil and they say these horrible things to my children about me. Um, although, praise report, Chelsea said, Dad, last night, Dad, I've been praying for Coach and Grandma and Mom about their talking about you and Dad, I haven't heard any bad things about you in two weeks. This was amazing. I was so excited to hear my daughter say she's been praying about it. And I just praised her and thanked God that she's speaking to God and that He's answering her prayers. I told her that God was faithful and that He would answer her prayers if she would just seek His face and pray. And she has. And so that was an awesome prayer. But my point is, is that God has asked me to sit still. God has asked me not to work. And so my mom says, I don't understand why God would ask you not to work. I don't get it. She says, I understand if you were single, if you didn't have any kids and no other responsibilities, I could see why God would do that. But why would God ask a man who has children to take care of to not work and not take care of them? And I said, Mom, I don't fully understand. The only thing I can tell you is that I trust God without having to have a reason anymore. When God tells me to do something, I know that He has my good and His glory in mind. And when He asked Abraham, why would God ask Abraham to put Isaac up on the altar? Now, Isaac, rather, Abraham kept this to himself. The Bible does not reveal. That, that Abraham shared this with anybody. I don't think even Sarah knew. His own wife. I don't think anybody besides him knew that he was going to be sacrificed. That Isaac was going to be sacrificed. I think if Abraham would have told, and I bet you people already thought Abraham was crazy with all the things he did with leaving behind his family and separating from Lot and moving to a different land and, you know, forsaking his father's inheritance and, re, you know, money and stuff like that. I believe that if Abraham would have shared that, people would have thought he is completely nuts. That's why I have not told anybody at the time that this recording is made, with the exception of my parents, my pastor, Larry and Trish, and I think one or two other people, like David, Bobby Junkin, people that are in the inside circle, that's it. Nobody else knows about this. Because if I told other people, they would think I'm nuts. They would, they would begin to try to talk me out of doing what God asked me to do. And God rarely asks people. Now, I'm not saying that every day of my life is like this, although for the last three years it has been. But God rarely asks people to do things that are easy. If what God was asking me to do was easy, where is the glory in that for God? If what God was asking me to do was easy, where is me passing the test? Where's the test of my faith to see if I really believe God? And so, in this moment, 
I've said to the Father, Lord, I have three days. This is three days until, you know, I'm going to be hung on the cross kind of thing. And I'm sitting here going, Lord, if there's any other way, if this cup could pass from me, <laughs> you know, let it be. Granted, I've already been through the major crucifixion of my soul. I've already been to the main cross. The rest of it has been me continually dying to myself. I take up my cross daily, as Jesus says, but I could be in real danger in three days. I could be in real danger. The most surefire way to go to jail is to not pay child support. And I have not paid child support in five months now. It may be six. I think it's five. So this must have just incited my enemy to even more bad talk and make them even more angry at me. And I hear the high am the whole time constantly praying, God have mercy upon me so that I can have mercy upon my enemies. I constantly am praying for them to be blessed, for them to turn, for God to turn their hearts from dark to light, for them to, to be reconciled to me in relationship and a co-parenting and co-grandparenting situation. I've just asked over and over that God would give me the money so that I could bless my enemy. And as of yet, God has not chosen to deliver me. I have had my phone turned off for two months. I have had no money to go get myself a coffee in the last like two weeks. I have no money to go anywhere. If it weren't for my parents feeding me and putting gas in a car that they bought for me that I still get to drive, I'd be completely trapped. But God has been gracious to me. God has blessed me in and, and I don't want any part of this message to feel like I'm feeling sorry for myself. I want to make sure that as dramatic as these details are, they do not overshadow the truth that God has been incredibly gracious to me and that in spite of the drought, I have not missed producing fruit. Just like that scripture in Jeremiah 17 says, the man who trusts in the Lord does not fear. It's like a, it's like a plant planted by the waters and he sends his roots into the stream. And he does not fear when heat comes. And he does not fail to produce fruit, even in a drought. And that has been the case for me. For the last five months, even though I've had no money coming in whatsoever, I have produced fruit. God has been abundantly present in my heart. The Holy Spirit has been in me to produce miracles and in relationship issues with other people and just to bless other people there's been some great things going on there's fruit happening in my men's bible study my my ministry has been given the go to get started again with my videos i just started that a week ago and so i say to the father lord you must have something in store because you've chosen not to provide me the finances yet and i'm going to have to stand and give an account and a judge Granted, I shouldn't have to be going in front of a judge because my ex-wife continues to fight for over a year after the fact, continues to fight the final judgment. Keep trying to overturn it and just never quits. So I'm having to be in court again, but even though God's going to deliver me in that way, now, now they're going to get to say, but Your Honor, he hasn't paid child support in six months. He's a, he's a deadbeat dad. Well, they have no evidence to believe anything other than that. How could I ever convince a judge, Your Honor, you're not going to believe this, but the Lord has asked me not to work. 
Your Honor, the Lord has asked me to forego almost $27,000 in the last 30 days that I could have used to pay this measly six dollars to $7,000 in child support that I currently am behind on, $8,000, whatever it ends up being. And God has told me to say no. I truly believe there's multiple purposes to this. I believe God rarely does things for one reason. And I don't fully know all the reasons. It seems like you sometimes have better clarity about things the other side of the deliverance. But as of right now, I can see where my dignity is still being destroyed. That I, that is a, another part of self that dies. You know, when you have to, I walked into church this morning and one of the main pastors came up to me and said, Michael, Michael, you know, hey, listen, man, I tried to get in touch with you about your uncle being in the hospital and tried to call and the number I have just keeps going to, you know, and I said, oh, Steve, I said, my phone's been off for months, two months now. There's no dignity in having to tell the pastor. I mean, who, who, you know, goes two months without a cell phone and uh, looks and talks and acts the way I do? You know, in other words, I'm not a homeless guy. I'm dressed nicely. I have a joy about me. Why in the world haven't I paid my, my cell phone bill? There's no dignity in that. It's God crushing, you know, any bit of dignity, any bit of self left. And I truly believe that, you know, in a matter of 24 hours, God could completely change my whole situation. He does this repeatedly in Scripture, where one minute Joseph's in jail, and, and the next hour, 24 hours later, he's second in command of all of Europe. I mean, of all of Egypt. God can change your destiny. There's multiple people that this happened with. Ruth, 24 hours earlier, she was a you know, destitute woman, ba basically had no hope for her future. And the next day, she's married to the wealthiest, nicest guy in all of town. Her life is completely changed. David, one day he's this little shepherd boy, slinging a rock. Hits the, takes the giant out, the next day he's being revered and being promoted and ready to go to become a king. So I just believe if I'll just keep trusting God, that God will turn this around. My mom has been such a great learning tool for me because I keep watching her say, but Michael, hasn't, isn't it possible that God, you know, you're, this, you're living the story of the guy who's caught in the flood and a canoe comes by and he says, no, God will save me. Then a boat comes by. No, God will save me. And then a helicopter comes by. No, God will save me. And the guy eventually dies. My mom says this. This is her, her logic. I understand from where she's coming from. But I also hear her say all the time, you know, are you sure you, you haven't misheard from God? How do, you, how do you know, Michael, that you haven't misheard from God? And I just keep telling her, Mom, don't you, don't you see that this is really how God works with His chosen ones, those that will follow? There would be so many more of these kind of stories if people signed up to be a soldier in the king's army. The, the reason why my story is such an anomaly is not because I'm special. It's because there are very few chosen. It's just like Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. And I think that has more to do with the people than it does with God. I think so few people want 
the deepness of God and they're not willing to pay the price because, man, this has cost a lot. This has cost a whole lot more than just the tuition of going to a Bible school. I mean, no offense to those who go to Bible school, but this has cost me everything that I ever thought was important or everything that truly was valuable to me in my life. My marriage, my kids, my lifestyle, my career, my ability to have my talents and, and uh, gifts in play and work. Um, you know, the accolades that I wanted so much because that's how I was getting my love and acceptance and proving my value. All of those things are gone. I mean, how, what, a, what an absolute flip of a coin. You know, a turning of the tables, a paradigm. Uh, here I am, you know, in front of 500 people preach or, uh, you know, doing sales training and being revered as a sales training authority and people wanting to pay me to come to their dealerships for personal, you know, one-on-one -on -one sales training with their people and making all this money. People paid me over a quarter of a million dollars in 2007 for my training videos for sales training and, you know, being put in the names with uh, Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and Tom Hopkins being compared to, now look at me, I can't even pay my cell phone bill. I don't even have use of a cell phone. Like right now, if I got out here and got snake bit, I would die unless God intervened. I can't even use my phone to call an emergency number. It has literally no service. Not even emergency services available to me anymore. I left my phone off so long they completely disconnected it from the tower. You know, if, if God forbid I would run in, well, he has forbid, <laughs> but if I ran into Laura, and she said, or, or she, she contacts me and says, Michael, I'd like to go for coffee. Where would I get the money to go for coffee? I mean, where's the dignity in, in any of this? I still live with my parents. I was walking into my driveway this morning going, man, it's been two and a half years. I'm still living with my parents. You know, what do the neighbors think of this? It's like I just realized, like, they still see me living there. What do my poor parents think about it after having me be there every day for two and a half years? You know, I mean, so under the urgency of what I just said, there has been a, a, a groundswell of peace. Again, I want to make sure that anybody that ever gets a chance, and particularly you children of mine, if you ever get to hear this, that you don't think dad was totally bugged out of his mind. Have I had moments? Absolutely. I've had moments where I've been like, God, if you don't help me. But I have to tell you, they're far and few and in between, and they don't have the depth of terror to them that they used to. They don't. I wouldn't even use the word terror to describe. It's just an uneasiness of, uh, God, you're still with me, aren't you, right? Whereas, you know, years ago, I may have totally panicked and be like, oh, God, what am I going to do? Help me. Totally not there anymore. I trust my daddy. I trust him. And right now, I'm in territory I've never been in before. And this really is so fascinating. I don't think there's anything more exciting than being on adventure with God and walking this thing out. I don't think there's anything more exciting than this. This truly is incredible because I'm getting to see firsthand God asked me, I, am, I, I know that the Father is speaking to me, I know that He knows how to get my attention, and 
he has a track record with me, so when he speaks to me, I believe him. And even though I don't understand the result, even though I'm, a, I don't, I'm uncertain about where he's asking me to go, meaning what the implications or what the consequences may be, I just know to obey him. He tells me what to do, and I obey him. I literally am living the Christian walk, at least a good part of it, where, you know, my sheep hear my voice. You, you, you know, those who know God know his voice, hear God. So I'm hearing him. He's directing me, and he's taking me through some dangerous, dangerous territory. Because by following God, the instructions he's giving me, it's putting me in a very compromising position. And it's getting worse every day. Now granted, there's been no danger that's befalled me so far. So God's promise would be true that no harm has come to me. That I have been able to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So up to this point... As long as it's been, there has been no harm that's befalled me. God, throughout three and a half years of one of the worst divorces people have ever seen, as, as, as much as it hurt my heart, as much of an inconvenience as it was, as much energy as it took to constantly be in it, God is proving himself amazingly faithful to his word. And as I look back, no matter what I worried about, it didn't happen. No matter how much... Um, I thought I couldn't take it. God rose up with His grace and He defended me. He has protected me and I have found rest in the shadow of the Almighty, just as His Word says. So, am I to conclude, well God, you haven't delivered me yet finally, so there's only three days left, I'm should, I should panic. Or isn't it true, isn't it really true that I'm getting ready to see and it may not look like what I think it's going to look like. It may not be what I think it's going to be. But isn't it true that God always waits to the last minute? He's never late, but He's rarely early. He's right on time. And the reason is so simple. My heart tells me it's clearly because God wants us to have faith in Him. Real faith. And if it comes when we want, then we have a tendency to think that we did it or it's okay. But no, God stretches us always beyond what we think. I have been stretched so much farther. I have no idea what God has in store, but I feel absolutely certain that God is setting up a miraculous delivery once again. This will be the fourth time God has delivered me from the mouth of the lion, the court. The fourth time in one divorce that God has miraculously delivered me. Who's ever heard of not going to court and then not being thrown into jail for a major hearing? I, I did not show up at the last hearing because God told me not to. If I told anybody that, a regular Christian who has not walked supernaturally with God, they would think I'm completely nuts. Some people can see everything you can think of and still not believe. Some people can see all the miracles, they have all the evidence, and still, this is my mom. She still, after all that she has seen, who could deny that God delivered me on the 777th day? This was a huge, epic thing. And so am I to now all of a sudden go, oops, God's gone on vacation. Or oops, I've sinned somehow so bad that God's not going to deliver me. Or oops, God's moved on to other things and forgotten about me. This is exactly what the devil whispers in my ear. 
This is exactly what he tries to get all Christians to think. Yeah, he may have delivered you in the past, but he's not going to deliver you now. You either messed up or, you know, your blessing's already passed or God's busy working on something else or you don't deserve this or he's forgotten about it. And the reality is, I truly believe that God is setting up something epic. And it wouldn't be epic if it didn't cost me anything. This moment is epic because I'm three days away of, a, of being a man who has completely trusted God with everything in my life the last three and a half years. Everything. I have trusted God with my health. I've trusted God with my finances. I've trusted God with my love, with my, my potential wife down the road. I've trusted God with my being taken care of and protected in my home with my, my mom. I'm trusting God with my children. I'm trusting God for my finances, for my defense, everything, everything for directing me in my ministry. And so there's been a huge cost, but I believe there's going to be a gigantic return on investment. And I can't stress enough, I don't want to minimize one bit this moment because when God delivers, people are going to want to dismiss the drama that happened in order to get this miracle. People are going to want to say, oh, there must have been some... No. People need to understand how excruciatingly difficult this is. It is not easy believing God for the impossible. But God does have a track record with me. And it is easier once I've seen Him do it before and do it before. So, just kind of wrapping this message up, I, um, I'm in this situation where... In three days, I face dire circumstances. The, the possibilities are that it's always a possibility I've misheard God, that I should have taken the monies that were offered to me and the jobs, and I would have been able to pay the child support and move on and still do my ministry, and life would be kind of normal right now, and I would have plenty of spending money in my pocket, even maybe have been able to move out on my own by now. And that by me mishearing God, I've put myself in a terrible, terrible situation. And I could end up in jail. I could go before the court and then say, Michael, you haven't paid child support in six months. Um, we're going to throw you in jail to teach you a lesson. Or you're going to have 30 days to come up with it. Then what will I do? That's always a possibility. That is not what I believe. I believe my spirit believes totally opposite of that. I believe that's what my flesh would like to believe. Um, or chooses to sometimes believe. But my, my spirit says that I have absolutely heard from God, that it is not a coincidence that God shows me 1122, 1101, 511, 515, um, 1122, all these numbers, you know, every day encouraging me with devotions that say, stay the course, stay focused, do not fear, trust me, I can do this, all of the bulletins have been so spot on with my journey right now it's incredible so god is not making it hard for me to hear and receive confirmation of his word for me his word has been stay the course don't trust man trust me you know i even saw a lady the other day on television who was bragging about this amazing financial ministry she had and how she was devastated financially at one time and her parents she went to offer her her, get some money from her parents and God said are you going to trust in man or are you going to trust in me I just heard this like a week ago and I thought man that's exactly what God said to me and she said that God said to her it's time for you to grow up and that was the idea that she needs to mature in her faith and learn to trust in God not in man 
So, I have reason to believe still, fully, that everything God is doing is has the purpose of shaping my character continually more into Jesus Christ, killing off myself. Every time I say no to a possible solution that's popped up, that's me crucifying my way of doing it. That's me crucifying my will. That God honors that. When I look down from heaven, even if I've heard God wrongly, I know God is honored. I mean, think about this. Even if I had heard God incorrectly, God looks down from heaven right now and sees a guy who is sacrificing his own desires, sacrificing his will, sacrificing his comfort, his dignity, his pleasure, his comfort for him. Why would God not be pleased when he looked down, even like I say, even if I heard God wrong, why would God not be pleased saying, wow, Michael thinks that he's hearing from me on this and he is really sacrificing for me. He is trusting me at a level very few people trust me at. Man, and I knew this was the case when I sat in front of my own pastor and my own pastor says, Michael, I don't know very many people that would obey God to this level. And I could tell he was being very sincere when I told him, I said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to have to swallow hard on. I told him, I said, I haven't paid child support in four months. And it's because God's asked me, who says, oh, that's great, Michael. That's so good. Oh, praise God that you're, who says that? Nobody's going to say something. Uh, Abraham, you know, hey, guys, check it out. I got a word from the Lord. Take Isaac up on the altar and kill him. Praise God, Abraham. Yes, you go. Nobody would ever in their right freaking mind say something like this. Nobody. This is a, this is a journey that you go by yourself. I'm on a journey by myself. There's nobody that's in this with me going with their pom-poms in their hand going, Yay, Mikey boy, you can do it. You're the poster child for the followers of Jesus. No. Many people would think I'm nuts. There may come a day when I share this entry with somebody, or at worst, it'll end up, at least it'll end up in a book, and a person might be reading this going, how in the world? I could never trust God this way. I also want to make it clear, it is only because of God's intervention through grace and the constant showing me of numbers, the constantly confirming His Word, the constantly reassuring me with peace and joy in my spirit, and constantly showing me that this is what He's doing in my life for a reason, that has allowed me to go this far. If God did not ensure me in all this, I'd be going nuts. So, right now, I'm day by day. Right now, I'm actually hour by hour. I'm like walking with the Lord like on a 15-minute, you know, basis. Like, okay, Lord, all right, I'm good for 15 minutes. I may need to start praying again as soon as I get in the car. And I'm going to just keep on praying and keep on clinging to Him and keep on putting my eyes on Him because this is not something I want to mess up on. I don't want to get overly confident. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be... Um, this is, like I say, this is something so important because I feel like I'm working for God's glory. The final thing I want to put on all this is that if I were to quit and take matters into my own hand, I rob my God of all of His glory. And I feel like God has set up such an amazing opportunity to give Himself glory with this by me being willing to trust and obey in a very difficult set of circumstances. I did not get here because I'm putting God to the test. 
I did not get here because I said, my God is faithful, and if I can jump off this cliff, He'll save me such that my foot doesn't strike a stone. No, I have not said that. I'm only here because I believe I followed God's specific instructions. I, I could absolutely be wrong. I am not so delusional as to think that there is only one possible answer in my life. I'm not so delusional that I've gotten to the point where there are no other possibilities. That is not true. I feel for certain that I'm in the right way, that I'm following God. But there is always that part of me that, yes, I could be wrong, or God could change His mind. He's sovereign in this whole deal. But I must continue to trust God. I must not shrink back. I just sense that something so epic, so epic is going to happen for people. And how many other people will begin to trust God? How many other people will recognize that I too was a guy who would read other people's books or hear sermons online and say, man, I wish I had faith like that. That there's nothing special about me at all except for the fact that I acted on what God asked me to do and that His grace has carried me the rest of the way. That's all I've had to do is to show up and to say, I'm in, God. I'll trust you. I hear your word. Um, I, I want you to use me. I want you to change me. I want you to use my life to bring you glory. This was always the desire of my heart. You know? Some might say, man, if I would have known in advance the cost, I'd have certainly never asked to go. I'd have certainly never asked for this trip. But I'm at a point where I can't say that anymore. Sure, there's some moments that are scary, but man, I've received such a return on investment. My soul has prospered while I've been in captivity. My soul has greatly prospered while I've been in captivity. I mean, you can't get what I've got from any seminary. You can't pay for anything that I've gotten with the Lord. I mean, if I want to take a little bit of pride, my pride in God is that I have something that only those who are willing to take a risk can have. I have a relationship with God. And man, I tell you what, if people want to say, oh, your situation is so lack, you know, so um, humble and, and um, you know, I wouldn't want to have your situation living at home. Yeah, but who wouldn't want to have the faith in God that I have? Who wouldn't want to have the interaction with God that I'm having? Who wouldn't want to have the knowledge and the wisdom and the depth of insight? Man, I mean, that gives me something to brag in the Lord about. Let us boast in the Lord. And again, I really can't boast um, because all I did was sign up and have a desire. I mean, and I've kept just showing up and showing up and obeying and obeying, and God does all the rest. When I feel like I can't obey, God strengthens me. When I feel like I'm falling into doubt, God lifts me up. When I feel like I'm off course, God gives me direction. <clears throat> you know, when I feel like giving up, God lifts me up and strengthens me again. And this is all by His grace. So the reality is, even though I want to brag, I can't. And it's not a, if, if I was interested in bragging, I wouldn't be so interested in trying to teach other people how to live like this in total dependence upon God. I, I love what my pastor says, that God does not have favorites, He has seekers. And I became a seeker. And we find just as much of God as we desire. So I never want to forget this recording. I never want to forget the reality of being afraid and having some doubts, but still moving forward in faith, still mustering up courage, still clinging to God in faith. That's what I'm doing. 
I came out here and prayed, even though I've talked a lot. I spent the first, you know, 45 minutes or so in prayer and just clinging to my daddy. So that's what it looks like. It's just every chance you get when you're going through the fire, you cling on to Jesus, you pray, you spend lots of time praying. I've never prayed so much as in my whole life. I, I bet I have prayed more. I know I have. I've prayed more in the last three years than I did altogether in the previous 20. I know that for a fact. That would, that's not hard math to figure out. I used to maybe pray five minutes here and there. Now sometimes I'll pray for 90 minutes, an hour and a half. You know, just constantly talking to the Lord. So anyhow, I want to end this recording. Um, I'm days away. I'm going to try and record as much as I can between now and the end because, you know, it's like I'm at the edge of the Red Sea and the Israelites are all with me, or rather the Egyptians are right on my tail. And it's, you know, is God going to deliver? And I say, yes, He is. And I say, it's going to be extraordinary. And I wonder how valuable this recording is going to be to me. You know, kind of as a summary story um, of all that I've been waiting for and hoping when God finally delivers me. I wonder, I wonder what kind of joy I'm going to feel when my daddy shows up and, and delivers me. And, and literally brings the restoration. I believe he's told me that I'm entering into a season of restoration and that the things that have been stolen from me are going to be added back to my life. And uh, I know that Laura is just around the corner in my life. I know that finances, I know that a fruitful, abundant ministry, I know the help and the resources that I need, more time with my kids. Oh, God Almighty, I just know. Restoration is around the corner. And people are going to look at it and say, Oh, Mike's life is so blessed. Oh, man, this is incredible. Look, I wish I could have his life. There's going to be haters. I know it too. Those that are really not happy for the restoration that God's done in my life. How quickly people are going to forget the, the, the humility that I had to walk through. The, 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 the loss of dignity. How quickly people will forget. And I hope and pray that I never forget what I had to walk through in order to get to this place. Because it has not been easy. The price has been excruciating at times. You know, I mean, there's been times when I've said, man, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to have to go through this. And yet, the reality is, is I would give anything if my worst enemy could go through this because it's the best thing that I've ever been through. It's the best thing I've ever been through. God killing me so that he might live in me. Oh, it's painful. Just the sound of it hurts. But man, is it good. It's a good thing. The restoration is coming. God will be glorified in Jesus' name. I just want to make two other points on that last recording as I finish off the trail here. Is that I, I began to think in my prayer. I began to thank Father Abraham as I realized that I am standing on his shoulders. I may have not had an earthly father who could show me what obedience and trust in God looks like. But as I think about it, how much, how much the story of Abraham has strengthened me. I mean, it's just come up several times. This, you know, it's been uh, through other teachers. It's been through my own study of the Word. It's, it's just come up and I just realized that I'm, I'm, I trust God more because of what Abraham um, did in his ability to trust and obey God. 
And it's just astonishing. And I'm so thankful. And I can't wait to say thank you for letting me stand on his shoulders. I feel like, you know, he's supporting me and helping me. And uh, that's a point I want to make. And then I think another point was is that I don't want to forget that it may get much worse before it gets better. That even though I'm three days this side, it may get much worse. It may look very much more like the end is near for me. And uh, I must remember that I do not walk by sight. I walk by faith. All right, I remembered the other thing I was going to add to this, and that is that it's, a, it's really incredible to me that I noticed that I only see 919 and 525 or 222 when I need it. Michael Commentary. Let me remind you what the numbers 919, 525, and 222 are. They all three point to scripture verses led by the Holy Spirit. 919 represented numbers 919, which states, And while the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed God and did not set out. God has had to show me this number more than any of the numbers, with the exception of maybe the two twelves, something like that. But this number, over the longest period of time, God has had to show me it's constantly Him holding me back. If it's a very serious one, many times God will sandwich it with a 525, which incidentally is the New Covenant equivalent of 919, Numbers 919. 525 is Galatians 525. And since we live by the Spirit, incidentally represented by the cloud in the Old Covenant during the time of the wilderness with the Israelites, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, meaning don't get ahead and don't get behind. 2.22, Mark 2.22, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out. The skins will be ruined. No, a man pours new wine into new wineskins. End of commentary. This is another way that I know that, you know, me seeing these numbers is not coincidence. God only shows me 919 if I'm getting ready to get ahead of him. Uh, you know, either with contacting Laura or with taking a job. And the same thing with 222, 525. The other night I had a thought of, man, maybe I should take a job. Maybe I should get something. And while I was on the phone with my children, right after I had had that thought, I looked over at the clock and it was 525. I haven't seen 919 now in over, I don't know, probably a week and a half or so. And it's because I'm just totally committed to staying the course. It's amazing. God only speaks to me with words that actually apply or words that are needed. If I, if I went home and started getting anxious tonight about contacting Laura, I can feel certain I would begin to see 919 or 525. <laughs> Stay with the Spirit. Don't get ahead. I'm praying that God will strengthen my faith, that my faith might not fail. I realize how many people will stand on this and how much glory is due to God um, and how much will be robbed of God if I were to fail. So I'm just praying that God will strengthen my faith and that my faith will not fail this final test. So I get in the car after just praying all that prayer and it's 5.15. And I had just said in the recording that I see these numbers and one of them was 5.15 and I get in the car. It's 5.15 and that is John chapter 5 
verse 15 and it says, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. The previous verse says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Praise God. And the peace just comes upon me. I feel like my responsibility is to walk in the peace that God just gives with that. I feel like for God to tell me that he's going to deliver me and then me to work, walk in worry or anxiety is to refute that I believe God. Is to say that I don't believe him. So I'm going to walk in the peace that God is going to do for me. I don't know how he's going to do it when or what it'll look like I'm not going to worry about that God says for me to just go in the peace knowing that he will do it praise God in heaven and it's now 5.15 on my phone right this second as I am finishing this recording <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious 5.15 right now it's 7.30 on the 13th after I just did this long recording in the woods today about the three-day countdown, you know, holding on to radical faith. Get home and my step, my mom and stepdad come home and he hands me a piece of mail um, that I accidentally had left in their mail as I've checked the mail the last couple of days and I just happened to glance down at it and I noticed there's this number on it like 080-777. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. I just prayed. I'm just... You know, the whole message this evening I recorded was about court in three days, and God usually always shows me 777s, you know, right around the court date to let me know that he's got this. I look down at it, I pick up a pin to circle it, and I laughed out loud. And then when I look at the pin, I realize that the pin has a phone number on it that is 555. I had just seen 555 this evening. I clicked my phone and it was 555. Now I just circled a 777 with a pin that has 555. And as I looked up on the television, the phone number on the television from Pastor Robert Morris's church was on the screen. It was 777. This all happened at the exact same time. So I took a picture of it. So you can see the 777 on the letter, the pin right behind it that I used with, with a 555, and the 777 on the television screen all at the same time. Amazing. I just, I laughed out loud. It would, God just blessed me in that. Then we sit there and just let the next program come on on TBN, and it's Joel Osteen. My mom says, I don't really care for him so much anymore. I used to like him, but now I've kind of not liking him so much. And I said, well, I don't like any pastor that doesn't talk about obedience. And literally the word as it came out of my mouth, Joel Osteen said obedience. And I said, what? Because I never hear him talk about obeying a God. And as it turns out, the whole program tonight was all about radical obedience. In my recording this evening, I made mention of the fact that I'm standing on Abraham's shoulders and how God has continually reminded me of the radical obedience of Abraham to put Isaac on the altar. It doesn't make sense. There's no explanation. It's not logical. And it's even going against God's word. I, I've made this mention multiple times in my journal entry over the last couple of months. And as God would have it tonight, one of the last stories he 
ends with is the story of Abraham's radical obedience to put Isaac on the altar. And he ends the whole message tonight with, if you will radically obey God, God will radically bless you. God will push you into your destiny. He will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. He'll take you places you never dreamed of. And I was just like, wow. First of all, coming from Joel Osteen, this was amazing hearing this. But I just was like, God is so so good to encourage me. I prayed tonight that God would not allow my faith to, to fail. And I said, God, don't let my faith fail. I got three days left. My mom hadn't been in this house for 30 minutes saying, did you pay the child support? I said, no, mom. Did you call the court? No, mom. So my mom's already bringing all that worry. She's already bringing stuff from tomorrow into today. She comes in while I'm trying to listen to the message she actually asked me to turn the television up. I do. And then she wants to talk to me about her shoes. She bought six new pairs of shoes while on vacation. She's wanting to talk to me about these shoes. And all I'm known is I'm three days away from one of the biggest events in my life. There could be jail. There could be all kinds of things in store for me. And my mom's sitting here talking to me about shoes. I'm trying to listen to obedience. She got offended. I, I was very nice. I just said, Mom, let me hear this real quick. She said, sometimes you do need to learn to listen to other people too. And I said, except for when God's talking to you. She goes, well, you won't say that when your parents are dead. She walked out of the room, came back. I think she realized what she was saying was wrong. But I just thought, it hasn't been 30 minutes and already there's those attacks from the enemy. Trying to flip me over, trying to get me out of focus, trying to create doubt, plant seeds of doubt. And I'm not going there. I'm going to stay strong and believe God. To the end, we are going to see a miracle there is going to be a miracle. I have been radically obedient, and God is going to radically bless. I believe it. I declare it in Jesus' name.